The following program does not offer personal medical advice. Please consult your doctor before using any treatment or product we cover. Welcome to Go to Health Radio with your host, Jonathan Marks. We provide a welcoming environment where experts educate you on important health topics, answer your questions, and provide information from which you can benefit in consultation with your doctor. And now, here is Jonathan Marks. Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Marks, and welcome back to Go to Health Media. I'm very happy today to be talking about Medicare and managed care services. Uh, and we have two experts on the show from Level Healthcare Services. Their website is levelhcs.com. And I'd like to introduce Levi Chris, who's the Chief Executive Officer, and also Eric Chiembakeza, who's the Chief Innovations Officer of Level Healthcare Services. And um, just a little background on Levi first, he's the CEO for Level Healthcare Solutions. He has an extensive background in the service and technology industries, including various leadership roles with electronic data systems, Hewlett Packard, Med Synergies, which was acquired by Optum360, and also Oculus Health. Throughout his career, Levi has focused on solving industry challenges with the application of best-in-class solutions to meet needs of the clients. Levi has a diverse background with experience in technology integration and service management and strategic sourcing. His partner, Eric Chiembakeza, is the Chief Innovations Officer of Level and has spent most of his career working with federally qualified health centers. He's been involved in program development and management, infrastructure improvements, workforce development, and serving as both CFO, Chief Financial Officer, and Chief Operating Officer of different healthcare centers. In 2018, Eric founded Qualic Health, a consulting firm with a focus on helping clients make informed decision and maximizing their potential. So welcome to the show, Levi and Eric. It's wonderful to have you. How are you today? Doing well. Glad to be here, Jonathan. Doing very well. Very well. Thank you. Good. And I'm in Las Vegas. And Levi, you are located where? I'm in Dallas. Dallas, Texas. And Eric in? South Florida, Fort Lauderdale. South Florida. Okay. So we've got a national group going on here. That's great. So what I'd like to start out our discussion with is really to talk about managed care services so that people understand what that is. And um, I'll turn it over to you guys to kind of give us an overview of what managed care services are. All right, I'll start out here. Managed care services are programs that Medicare has established to, to help uh, providers and patients uh, uh, focus on patient-centered care, okay? Uh, and so all of these, these programs and the, the efforts that we engage in are really to uh, provide some tools and uh, uh, support for, for patients uh, to to execute the patient uh, centered care, and so it's a it's a, a partnership with the provider, the patient, uh, as well as us, and supporting that patient. You know, the programs are focused on care plans established by the provider uh, uh, and the patient, and and we're here to help support those 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 uh, 
those actions. Got it. So let's take an example. If let's say someone on Medicare has diabetes and the doctor can provide a certain level of service, but what levels of service do you provide that are of assistance to the uh, professional office? So as you know, as Levi mentioned, the, the provider, the, the patient's uh, PCP or, or primary care provider would essentially establish a care plan for and with them. Um, so if they have diabetes, for example, in the office is relatively simple to kind of address certain issues that may show up, right? But overall, people don't spend most of their time in their provider's office. Most of the time is spent, you know, at home or, you know, going about their daily activities. So what the care management services do is essentially provide a bridge between those visits, right? So what happens after a patient leaves the office, you know, any, any number of things can happen. So what right. we do is we want to ensure that whatever care plan was established with that patient is more easily adhered to for that patient. Great. And I would say in general, this is a big move in the health industry is to have connection with the patient between doctor visits so that um, we can assure that patients are following up on what the doctor says. Cause one of the biggest problems in healthcare is compliance, which is everybody listens in the doctor's office and says, yes, yes, I'll do it. And then they go home and life intervenes and it doesn't really happen. So this is exactly. it. So what's the difference between care management service and care coordination? They're pretty much similar. Care coordination is a, I guess, a broader view of the, the whole patient-centered care service and, and the impact of those services. Care management are specifically things like, you know, chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, uh, behavioral health integration, mm-hmm. you know, the very specific services that Medicare and sense. Right? If and we so- could add on to that, um, you know, kind of the care management services as mentioned before, are really a bridge between the visits for the patient. I think care coordination can almost be seen as like a bridge between the providers. Mm-hmm. Right? And so as it currently exists with healthcare, as it currently exists, it's incredibly disparate, a lot of, um, you know, separate or siloed databases and, and things like that. So it's an opportunity to kind of connect those sources with the patient being at the middle of them. Right. And if you don't mind my getting into the weeds for a minute, what are, I understand there are four pillars to care management services. Can you discuss what those are? So people, again, better understand what those are. Sure, sure. Um, so first would be interoperability. You know, as we just discussed, kind of the difference between care management services and care coordination services. The care coordination, again, is provider to provider with the patient being in the center. And data interoperability is, is, is key to that. It's important. Uh, the second would be engagement. You know, as we began this, we talked about how you know, engaging patients is, is one thing, but having them continuously engage or engage after they leave the office is another thing. But that's a huge focus because that engagement directly leads to adherence. Third would be clinical outcomes. All of this is really patient focused and we want the patients to remain healthier. Um, You know, right now, I think we're in a very reactive sort of industry and we're moving towards, um, you know, more prevention. So, you know, clinical outcomes is, is definitely the third pillar and third focus for us. And then the fourth would be reducing clinical burnout overall. You know, the last thing that we want to do and what we need to happen is for you know providers to feel increasingly overwhelmed with all that they have going on caring for patients so you know our job is really to lighten that load decrease that that burden and um you know mitigate some of those uh tasks that they currently have yeah and just to just to um and maybe you can speak to this a little bit but just to detail that a little bit 
there's been such a trend in healthcare where there are specialties is, and there are not enough specialty providers, the idea is, well, let's push it to the primary care provider. He or she can do this and take over some of that work. And when you take a look at the primary care provider job, they've got so much that they're responsible for. And to talk about all the you know caseload with COVID these days and comorbidities or co- coexisting conditions, it's exhausting for the health professional. So your services are really to support, I understand, the providers themselves. Exactly. And you think about it, if we've got uh, care managers, care coaches that are engaged with the patients on a monthly basis, and sometimes, you know, a couple of times a month, yes. depending on the patient's needs, right? That's information, that's data that that's available to the provider uh, at any time, right? And, and so we, we start to provide a, another level of support for that that provider would be services. So what is it that patients need to know about care management services? I mean, what, you know, how well is this understood? What, what do people need to understand that they don't understand now? Kind of a, a two-pronged answer. First, it's not very well understood um, from the provider perspective because it's incredibly underutilized industry-wide. Mm-hmm. So if the providers aren't understanding it, then the patients surely aren't understanding it. But what they should know or could know that that could help is that, um, you know, this industry is a consumer industry, much like any others, and they should feel empowered and feel accountable for their health and their decisions. So this is an opportunity to kind of regain that, um, not power, but that decision-making capability Mm -hmm. over their health and the direction of their health in conjunction with, you know, the experts like their, their PCP, for example. And that's, that's important because, you know, the, the key to these programs is the patient engagement and the patient taking ownership. Mm-hmm. And so the, the partnership between the patient and the provider in establishing that care plan uh, is critical. Uh, and the patient, you know, having, um, you know, full uh, visibility to, you know, expectations of, of being in the program and how they uh, can be supported. So Eric, you mentioned before that this is really kind of an untapped market that both healthcare providers and patients are not very much aware of. And so what help can level HCS be to primary care providers? What kind of services do you provide that that take that pressure off the primary care provider, but also provide services for the patient? And I think what you also mentioned before an interoperability um, whatever programs you use, you want them to be able to integrate with the doctor's uh, database and information so the doctor can see what the patient is doing and get the most information they can get. So tell us a little bit about how you grease the wheels. So that, I think that's a big piece. The, the last part that you mentioned, the data interoperability, having that visibility, um, it's very difficult to make decisions in a vacuum. Right. And so if we're going to have or be the most frequent touch point often with, you know, a patient providing that information back to a provider is key. You know, so they have the ability to make decisions um, with more information than they would have prior to to an engagement with us. Um, You know, another piece I would say is, again, not only just patient engagement, but also re-engagement. So this is an opportunity to maybe tap into some of those patients that previously were maybe disenchanted with their experience or, you know, wait until something is, you know, 
falling off or turning green before they go have it checked out. Right. Um, you know, it's an opportunity for them to be, again, a bit more proactive and preventive, which right. I think in turn, providers would be incredibly pleased with seeing improved clinical outcomes overall. Then the third piece would be, um, I think, very tailored uh, educational materials and information that they can provide not only to their staff, but also to, to the patients to let them know about, you know, these, these services. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's key uh, for, for, for us, for example, we think it's very important for us as a service provider to, you know, to help identify a, you know, a approach for, you know, how we meet those services. So, you know, what, what we like to say is, you know, this is a strategic initiative and we want to be a part of defining how you accomplish the, the, the goals that's established for this strategic initiative. Each provider uh, will have uh, different, could potentially have different expectations of what they're, you know, want to get out of the program. Um, and so we want to we want to be a part of understanding that and helping design the you know the the model that best meets the needs for that provider. Right? Mm-hmm. And so if if there's say a uh, you know, if we're implementing remote patient monitoring, right? You know who who are the patients that's targeted for that? And so we work with the provider to to understand and establish that that program and then determine. Uh, what the solution is, right? What is it that, what are the connected devices, if you will, that we need to provide for the patients? And that's all a, a joint effort uh, and, you know, and identifying, defining uh, the patients that should be in the program and then what the solution for those those patients can be. Great. What, what, should, what are some um, things, and we just have a couple of minutes here left, but I wanted to get in this last question before we take a break. What are some things that healthcare centers can be doing right now in care management services? I think, I think the most important thing is, you know, looking across uh, your patient population, right, what, what are the, you know, what are the most impactful things that you can do? You know, do you, if you've got a, uh, you know, high percentage of, diabetics in your patient population, if you've got a you know, high percentage of patients with multiple chronic conditions, mm-hmm. um, identifying who those patients are, you know, you know, look at your risk stratification and determine, you know, uh, what things you want to do for those high risk patients, right? Uh, and so, and, and what we like to say is we're not, we're not asking you to put every patient in the program, just those patients that should be in the program, right? Right. And you help determine, you know, what, because Medicare has got, um, you know, they've got criteria for who goes in the program, but mm. you understand your patient uh, population best. And so you, you decide which patients goes into the program from your perspective, right? I'm just wondering, for all, with all the providers that you talk to, how many of them have the time or the foresight to actually take an overview look at their patient population and kind of generalize, you know, gee, this population should be getting this kind of care and this population should be getting that kind of care. How many doctors have the time to do that? Well, I, I, that's a great question. And I think, you know, uh, from as a uh, strategic approach, 
I'm, I'm not sure that that happens, but you know, a lot of you know, a lot of them are forced into it, you know, based on requests coming from the health centers, right, or from Medicare, and so they have to at some point look at that data. Uh, but a day-to-day um, reviewing and and establishing a, a strategy around those patients, um, which is what we really like to do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we, we like to look at that Medicare population and provide some you know, feedback, but we also need to see what the, the risk stratification is uh, from that health center. So that's a service that you provide is helping a, an office or a practice take a look at who their patients are and deciding what services they need. Yeah, exactly. Good. Are giving you the information to determine which which services you think would best fit your, your patient population. Great. Eric, you want to add to that? Um, I think just the, the last little piece, and, and Levi covered it uh, very well, the last little piece is that there's also a shift or a move from fee-for-service to value-based, right? And so with that, that move from fee-for-service, which is focused primarily on volume to simplify it, overly simplify it, um, to value, um, the goal will be to keep patient, uh, patients healthier. And so understanding, you know, as Levi mentioned, understanding the patients that you're working with is going to be key. You know, having some sort of risk stratification is going to be key. Knowing, you know, what gaps need to be closed mm-hmm. prior to them, you know, is going to be key. So uh, the move overall of the industry in the direction of value-based, I think, is also why it's important, if not already, to start thinking, for providers to start thinking about um, how they should look at the data of, of their patients. Right. Good. So we're talking with Levi Chris and Eric Giambacheza of Level Healthcare Systems. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to talk with them both a little bit about value-based care and also more specifics on the services they provide to help your professional, your health professional, and help you stay in better health. So stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle. The Voice America interactive radio player powered by Aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for your iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to jonathanmarks at gotohealthmedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, we're back. This is Jonathan Marks with Go to Health, and we're with Levi Chris and Eric Giambacheza of Level Healthcare Services. And in the last segment, Eric, you mentioned value-based care, and I think a lot of people don't really know what that is. Can you define that for us? Sure. So um, I think the easiest way to, to kind of define it or explain it would be to juxtapose it with what the current model is which would be again, fee-for-service. Fee-for-service is essentially volume for dollars or you, you provide a service and you're reimbursed for those services. Um, again, with the shift 
moving away from fee-for-service to value-based care. Value-based is more focused on keeping patients healthier. So if you have a cohort of patients, depending on the risk of those patients, um, you may be assumed to have to provide a certain level of care for them with that, let's say, pot of money. Um, and so the, the incentive is for you to keep the patients healthier, keep them out of the, the, you know, the hospital, the ED, um, and have more of a preventive approach to their care. So again, it's focused less on volume and more on the value to the patient that you're providing. So are there bonuses or some kind of extra compensation you know, provided to providers who keep their patients healthy? <laughs> How does this system work? Yeah. If you don't mind explaining it a little bit, and I'm sure it's not easy. <laughs> sure. there, there are so many different types of models. I mean, there's shared savings, there's, you know, quality programs like MIPS, there's HEDA score, you know, there's a number of different measures, but in short, there. are um, however you're incentivized, whether you are sharing in the savings of, you know, maybe a capitated payment or um, a, a, a portion of money that you're given to care for a cohort of patients, mm-hmm. or if you are kind of taking full risk, you know, for a cohort of patients, and then you're, you know, either reimbursed or penalized at the end of the year, depending on how well you cared for those patients. You know, so mm-hmm. there are a number of different models, but all of it is really focused and hinging on how well you, you take care of those patients while you have them. Got it. And is this, do we think this is a good move in healthcare and why? Uh, I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move because it's, it's healthcare and not sick care. Right. And so the whole focus is to keep people healthier. And, you know, if, if the approach is to kind of catch things before they happen. And we have mm-hmm. access to so much data and, and so much technology and with AI and all of these things, you know, it's incredibly um, possible for us to, you know, move in the direction where we're able to, again, be very preventive or proactive about certain things. I think this is the, the best move. Great. Levi, anything to add to that? I agree with, with Eric there. Um, and it's, it's a challenge transitioning, right? I mean, you know, and this is, you know, one of the challenges with um, you know, implementing the, the care management services is that now, you know, the fee-for-service uh, is, is still, you know, kind of the, the model that's used for mm-hmm. the part and that transition, um, you know, will take place. And so being proactive and getting to that um you know, that model um, is somewhat of a challenge. Everybody knows it, it needs to be done, right? But, you know, just moving there, right? And, and especially, you know, with COVID tests, COVID vaccines, you know, everything that's, that's taken up the, the time of patients and the providers. Um, you know, it's it's hard to focus on these these types of things. So, um, you know, the the planning effort uh, and the uh, initiative, you know, to to start moving in the direction we think will will eventually come up. And you know, what we we'd like to do is just be a part of that planning process and help help the, the health centers, the providers, get there sooner. Right. Our so this leads beautifully into my next question, which is what made you all start Level Healthcare and how did you all get together? Well, you know, I, I would say that we, we uh, all have this same view, uh, same vision around uh, just being a part of 
help and address some of the challenges in, in healthcare. Um, we feel like the, the care management services is a, a way to really uh, touch the healthcare community because you, you deal with uh, patients, you deal with providers, as well as, as the uh, health centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for, for us, uh, as we go into a client and we understand the provider, the doctor, I mean, the, the uh, patients, uh, we also need to understand the community and what's available in that community for those patients. And so pulling all of those together, uh, I think, is really uh, one of the things that uh, kind of spawned us to really levitate to this space. I worked in this space. This was uh, back in 2017, and there was a lot of, uh, it was an early time to be in this space. And, and you know, the, the adoption was slow then as well, but mm-hmm. that kind of incented me to be a part of, uh, uh, well, to build this organization. Yeah. And then Eric's worked in this space as well. Right. So when you work with a practice, a health practice and their clients and their patients, what's your vision of success? What does success look like? For me, uh, it's the, the patient engagement, right? meaning that we're, you know, we're showing some value to the patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the, the satisfaction of our clients. Right? You know, the, the providers are seeing value in, in what we do. Right? And and we've, we've got a, a good, solid uh, process, uh, a good, constant way of onboarding patients. I mean, and this, this, these services become part of the foundation of that health center or that provider's uh, practice. Right? Uh, yeah, so I know in most doctor offices, and Eric, I'll let you uh, chime in here, but I know in most doctor's offices, their, their objective is to see a patient every 15 minutes right? Or, or 20 minutes max. Um, and it's just going from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And, you know, how much, how much depth can you really get into? And, and what I'm hearing is level healthcare services really does engage with the patient through different programs um, in between doctor office visits so that there can really be better follow-up. And as you were saying, more patient engagement. Eric, did you want to add to what Levi said? essentially the quadruple aim, right? So we're, we're keeping patients healthier, we're uh, reducing provider burnout, we're uh, providing a cost savings, but then also um, hopefully not disrupting, disrupting you know, the provider services as they currently exist. As you just mentioned, you know, they have certain quotas that they try to meet in a day, so we don't want to disrupt that too much either. Right. So how do you achieve cost savings for the doctor's office? So the cost savings is more uh, system-wide or industry-wide, um, you know, depending on the model of a, of a provider. You know, if they're in an ACO, for example, uh, they're incentivized to, again, kind of keep the patients healthier, but keep them within a system. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime that uh, a patient goes to the emergency room for something that could be potentially avoidable, right. you know, that's a, a cost strain on the system. So the whole goal is to really avoid that and having that constant communication or engagement with the patient makes that significantly easier. Mm -hmm. Okay. And tell me, I know you have a focus on what's your commitment to making a difference in underserved communities. That was a big, big um, topic in this year's health 2.0 conference was accessibility to care, which is how many people 
don't live near the specialist office or don't live near a pharmacy or they're, you know, it, it, it's a big, it's a big issue, which is accessibility to care. So what's your commitment to making a difference in underserved communities? I think our, our approach, I mean, the model serves the underserved uh, community well. So as we look at our, um, you know, our uh, target audience, you know, rural health, mm -hmm. uh, federally qualified health centers, uh, even, even some of the, uh, the, the urban um, center facilities, uh, you know, having, having uh, a, a focus on those patients um, and being able to integrate those patients into the program. Again, we, we get uh, we know the communities, we know what the needs of the, of the communities are, what's available mm -hmm. in the community. And so now we can start to look for uh, resources uh, you know, that patients may not be aware of. Right? Mm -hmm. so, and Eric, you may want to add to that. Well, I mean, I'd say traditionally, you know, the underserved communities are the ones that typically, uh, you know, have or receive fewer healthcare services overall. You know, they've face a number of challenges that may prevent them or serve as barriers for them to you know, receive or have access to care, you know, economic challenges, cultural barriers, uh, language, religion, a number of, of things. And again, with our approach being engaging patients and meeting patients where they are, we like to understand those barriers and address those barriers, which again can um, kind of ease the relationship and, and facilitate uh, the care or access to care that they would have with their PCP. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's a term called social determinants of healthcare. And we discuss what that means and how that fits into your goal of making a difference in underserved communities. Right, Eric. So, sure. Um, so again, in short, you know, social, social determinants of health and the way that we view them um, to sum it up is meeting people where they are. So everyone has barriers. Everyone has um, again, the kind of the, what I mentioned before with, you know, economic challenges or, re, re, you know, religious differences, cultural things, language barriers, um, where you live, any of those things play a factor, play a role in your health. Mm -hmm. And actually 80%, uh, you know, of, of things that directly impact your health are not related to health at all. It's those social determinants. So mm -hmm. by addressing those, you know, you're limiting or kind of mitigating, again, some of those those barriers, decreasing those barriers to improve and increase access to healthcare overall, keeping people healthier and reducing the cost on the system overall. Yeah. So t give me an example of some of those social determinants. So we're really clear about what that means. Okay. Um, you know, so I'd say walkability, you know, so where you live, if, mm -hmm. you know, a, a patient is from a lower income area and they don't have sidewalks, you know, but they hear from their provider that they should exercise more or walk more. Mm -hmm. There's no sidewalks for them to walk. You know, what are they to do? Or economically, you know, they have a job and they're paycheck to paycheck. They may have three dependents and they have to make a decision between, you know, meal, gas or medication. Right. You know, which one do they choose? So understanding some of those complex situations and helping navigate, you know, those individuals to resources to, again, kind of facilitate access and improve healthcare or clinical outcomes. Good. Great. Good. So let's talk about the specifics of some of the programs that you can help patients and doctors with. What services can you provide 
uh, for patient engagement, um, just some examples so we know the breadth of what you can guys can do in helping both doctors and patients with follow-up. So uh, the annual wellness visit, for example, is um, it's, it's an assessment, right? And every Medicare patient should have the annual wellness visit. And so our platform uh, simplifies that that annual wellness visit. There's we have a platform generated question near our interview process, basically mm-hmm. that that leads you through leads the, uh, the the medical assistants or the care coach through uh, a series of questions that result in the answers uh, needed, uh, all the documentation needed for that annual wellness visit. So. Uh, the health risk assessment is uh, in interview guided process. The creation of the care plan is an interview interview guided process. Hmm. So we 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 simplify that that process and ensuring that all of the appropriate documentation uh, is available at the end of the process to a point that you can submit a claim to Medicare. And so from, from the, the annual wellness visit, identifying where those patients should be uh, based on the health risk assessment. Every patient, you know, every patient should not be in these programs, but it, the annual wellness visit, every patient should have, right? Mm-hmm. And then that informs providers of which patients should be in chronic care management. Okay, which patient should be in remote patient monitoring? Which patients should be in the uh, uh, behavioral health integration uh, process? Mm-hmm. And so, our platform helps det- helps provide the information to inform the doctors and, and on that. With chronic care management, uh, management, we will provide care coaches. Based on that care plan, our care coaches will support the patients uh, throughout the process. They'll Mm -hmm. make the calls to the patients on a monthly basis, provide feedback uh, to the provider uh, as as required. But all of that information is available in our platform for the patients, uh, for the providers, right? Um, For for remote patient monitoring, we we provide um, you know, the connected devices, if, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, the, the glucose monitors, weight scales, blood pressure monitors, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know we uh, the, the devices we provide are cellular. So if you're in a uh, you know a situation where you don't have internet, that's not. Uh, necessary with our product. And so we make sure that the patients are, it's available for the patients regardless of whether or not they have the internet. So, um, the other area is for um, the transition, transitional uh, management, right? When patients go into the hospitals, uh, out, uh, the opportunity to follow up with those patients and ensure that they get back to the provider, see a provider after they're you know, uh, released from the hospital, mm-hmm. transitional care management. Uh, so all of those programs, we provide the care coaches, we provide the, the uh, uh, medical assistants to do the follow-up, the outreach uh, with those patients. 
Okay, so I'm listening to all these services and I'm thinking here, how much as a patient is this going to cost me? Can I afford this? Yeah. Well, it, you know, there, there's potentially a, a co-pay associated and, you know, the, depending on the coverage you have, if you have a secondary, uh, secondary coverage, then there's, you know, that could be covered as well. But mm-hmm. there, there could be a co-pay associated with the services. Got it. But if depending on my coverage, it might be totally free. That's correct. Yes. Good. And then what does this cost the doctor? Is there a barrier for a doctor to start engaging with you and collaborating and using these programs? How does that work? It's, it's all covered uh, by the Medicare reimbursement. Okay. So really this is just, I mean, you folks are really trying to connect doctors and their patients with more efficient follow-up programs and health coaches. And you're telling me this can all be covered by Medicare for the most part, except maybe for a copay. Exactly. Great. So give me the list. You know, if I'm a patient who has X, what kind of programs do you have continuous care for? Um, Tell me that list so I understand who can benefit from this. So there, I mean, it's, it's really, um, again, depending on the program, but if you have a chronic condition that is expected to last longer than 12 months, and if you have a chronic condition, let's say diabetes, hypertension, CHF, any of these things, they're expected to last longer than 12 months, then you would be, you know, a good candidate for this program. Mm-hmm. The, the list is, is truly exhaustive, or not, not exhaustive that I just gave, but it's, it's pretty long. Let's say obesity. Yeah, obesity. Yeah, covered. Um, okay. Chronic obesity, health, uh, chronic, chronic heart failure, you said, mm-hmm. diabetes, uh, hypertension, hypertension, diabetes, right. um, or things like even well, arthritis, for example, dementia, um, uh-huh. you know, there are a number, a number of, of diagnoses that are covered. Great. Good. Good. So this is really something that a lot of patients and a lot of doctors don't know about. And you folks are here to make these programs available And again, it's at virtually no cost to the patient and no cost to the doctor. They get reimbursed for these services. And and I I wouldn't say a lot of doctors don't know about. It's it's the implementation that really challenges the doctors. Mm -hmm. How how do I do all of this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's really the value that we'd like to bring uh, to the providers. So we're going to take another break. We'll be back in just a moment with Levi Chris and Eric Chiembaqueza from Level Healthcare Solutions. That's levelhcs.com. And in our next segment, we're going to talk about how you can get in touch with Level HCS to um, learn more about their services and benefit, whether you are a healthcare provider or perhaps a patient who wants to get those kind of services into their doctor's practices. As a patient, you could bring that information to your doctor. So we'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. This is Jonathan Marks with Go to Health. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, 
Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at GoToHealthMedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back to Go To Health. This is Jonathan Marks, and we're talking today with Levi Chris and Eric Chiambacaza from levelhcs.com, that's levelhealthcaresystems.com. And what they do is provide supportive, engaging services to doctor's offices so that patients can really improve their health on a continual basis, on a day-to-day basis through software programs and also health coaching. Um, And so Levi and Eric partner with doctor's offices to help them keep you healthy. So the first question I want to ask guys is if somebody wants to get in touch with you, your website is levelhcs.com, but what's the best way to get in touch with you if they're interested as a doctor's office in having your service? Or I want to even suggest to the patients listening to this, if your doctor doesn't have a program for your chronic care management, I'd like to suggest that you tell them about level HCS so that they can start taking advantage of these programs. So how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way? The, the best way is uh, you know, send an email to info at levelhcs.com. We will follow up with you as soon as possible. Great. So if you if you're if your doctor, again, if you're a patient listening and your doctor does not have managed care services, you want to tell them about level HCS because they can help level HCS can help get the doctor's office involved with these engaging programs and tell them who your doctor is and maybe even their phone number or their email address so that level HCS can reach out to the doctor if that'll work. So tell me a little bit guys about when a doctor decides to come on your, with your program and work with you as a partner, um, what's the onboarding process? What, how difficult is this? Uh, how easy is it? What, what, what are the steps that practices go through to get engaged with you? So the, the, the very first thing we would, would do was sit down and, and just get a understanding of the patient population. Uh, what are the goals of the provider? Uh, uh, is, is there a certain segment of the populations that you know they they want to address? Um, but building that that understanding of what's important to that provider or the health center. Uh, secondly, uh, how do we how do we integrate with the existing workflows? The last thing we want to do is you know, add unnecessary steps to their their workload. And so how do we integrate the workflows with things like, um, you know, notifying, uh, how do we notify, how do you want to be notified of Mm -hmm. a patient that needs a prescription field or something as simple as that? So how do we communicate to your your office when there's a need to notify you about the patient, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so understanding that, and then, uh, you know, it's always uh, important to have that that champion, if you will, right? And and someone that's, uh, you know, uh, working with this, monitoring the, you know, the, the value that we're bringing, someone that's you know, you know held accountable, uh, you know, someone that's accountable for ensuring that we 
deliver what we need. So who is that champion that, that we want to work with, right? In the doctor's office, you're talking about? In the doctor's office, right. Got it, okay, good. Mm -hmm. So you talked about the advocate in the doctor's office. How much is level healthcare system or solutions and your coaches, how much are you folks advocates for patient healthcare? Yeah. So I, I think that's that's really the the key to our services, right? Our care coaches, uh, you know, are are there to ensure that the patients are meeting their goals and giving them every resource they need to meet the goal, goals. Mm -hmm. And so I guess a, a good name for the care coaches could be the patient advocate, right? Because mm -hmm. that's their role. That's their job. Right. You know, to advocate for the patient, get back to the doctor's office when the patient uh, may uh, have an episode or patients just, you know, got questions, right? Make sure that the communication is there. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important for us to have laid out how, how we communicate with each other so it's not a disruption to the office, right? Got it. And, and how much are you guys on the lookout for new uh technologies or new monitoring systems to bring into your practice so that you can improve healthcare. So for example, I just recently interviewed a uh, an, an upstart company that is uh, monitoring they has a they have a phone app that which monitors your multiple sclerosis symptoms. Um, that's something you may not know about, but how much are you on the lookout for surveying the scene to see what are, what new services can we bring to patients? How, what's that function there? And it's something that we are constantly uh, looking at. Mm -hmm. I, I get probably two to three uh, you know, invites or emails a week on new technology that's coming, mm -hmm. uh, new services that are, are available. And so mm -hmm. it's something that we, that's you know, key to us. Right? Got it, good. You know, just like with, um, you know, with the patients, though, like not every patient may be a good fit. Also, not every device or piece of technology would be a good fit either. You know, we're, we're also huge on um, ensuring that we don't increase any barriers. So if again, that, de that device or technology is something that we don't feel would necessarily mesh well with the population we're working with, then um, I'd just say that's something that we take into consideration, too. But we're always on the lookout. Good. So... When you're working with doctor's offices, you're integrating your services and possibly with their services or their referrals. Can you tell us what are some of the top barriers for successful care coordination these days? The, the most uh, critical is patient engagement. And, and you know, having um, you know, patients that are uh, truly focused on, you know, on that pro the, the patient-centered care model, you know, the mm -hmm. care plans, uh, and then having care coaches that are, uh, you know, have that engaging personality, right? Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's important to make sure that uh, you, as you look at the patient populations, that you've got the right resources uh, for for care coaches. Right? Got it. And as you grow with more and more healthcare practices, I'm assuming you bring on more staff to handle the target sure. uh, conditions that you want to be able to serve your population with. That's right. The, the, the conditions, um, as you know, as well as uh, the 
geography. Right? As mentioned earlier, one of the, the key barriers uh, could also be like health literacy. Um, you know, if there's educational materials or if, again, you know, a patient speaks a language that's not um, a primary language in that office, that could serve as a barrier. So, you know, as we grow and increase our footprint nationally, uh, we would obviously like to have the, um, you know, care coaches or the staff to support and relate to the, the practice, but also the patients that we're going to help serve. Mm -hmm. Good. And in these last few minutes here, let me just ask, are there particular types of healthcare practices that you're targeting that you can best serve? Uh, can you tell me about those? Who are you reaching out to in the healthcare community that would be best served by your services? Primary care providers are you know, the, the targeted audience, and they could be you know, the private practice. It could be FQHC or federally, federally qualified health center. Um, and then also um, health centers, organizations where this is important to them, you know, so the, the ones that yeah. understand kind of the direction of where we're going, where healthcare is going. And that's something that um, they find should be essential or pivotal, you know, in their strategic plan moving forward. Great. And I want to tease you a little bit there, Eric, where is healthcare going? Give me an, give me an overview here. <laughs> what you had in mind when you said that. Yeah. So, you know, I'd say again, so from fee-for-service to value-based, but uh, we're moving from reactive, which is kind of how we are now, to yep. proactive, to ultimately preventive. And, you know, as we increase again, this data interoperability, having, you know, increased insights as to um, you know, what a demographic looks like, what a patient looks like, you know, when they're not in the office, that allows for improved uh, clinical decision-making, right? And mm -hmm. so um, moving from reactive to proactive to ultimately preventive is, is where we see uh, the industry moving. Great. And I would also add, and you've said it in there, I think another important component there is patient engagement and patient, I would say, responsibility for Absolutely. your own healthcare, right? Because the doctor can tell you lots of things, but if you don't do anything about it, it wasn't much help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the programs that you are talking about really encourage patient engagement and working with a health coach who's knowledgeable and particular, uh, potentially health software that is, you know, um, measuring uh, symptoms or symptom levels. So it really is more up to the patient about how they're doing. And it's a big responsibility that each patient has on his or her part. Yeah. Not only does it encourage, I think, encourage that patient engagement, it relies on it. And say more about that. How so? Um, as you said, you know, this, this doesn't work without the patient doing something. And, you know, when care plans are created, they're not created for them. They're created with them. You know, understanding those barriers, understanding their social determinants. Um, understanding what their goals are, because if you know what a patient or a person's goals are, you know, that that's uh, meaningful to them, they're more likely to buy in, more likely to adhere and remain engaged. Yeah. So it really sounds very customized to the patient, doesn't it? Yes. Absolutely. What is it the patient? And then that goes back to the patient plan that the doctor develops and you help them develop that plan. And so that can really speak to the programs they get involved in the coaching they get involved in is really specific and customized toward them. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, um, there are, there are things that the doctor, uh, you know, want in that plan that are fundamental, right? Now, how, how the patient 
chooses to to address those. There's there's coaching from the doctor, but also our care coaches are helping them to to evolve that. Right. You know, so this is what you need to. This is what the doctor said you need to focus on. And so how are we going to do that? Right. Got it. Good. Okay. Well, thank you very much. So we've been talking with Levi Chris and Eric Chiembaqueza. They are from Level Healthcare Solutions. Their website is levelhcs.com. And if you want to get in touch with them, and I encourage you to do so, their email address is info at levelhcs.com. And the takeaway, guys, that I'm thinking of here is that you are really embodying this new movement in healthcare, which is having more continuous care for patients and enabling that. So it's not just the doctor's visit, but really what does the patient do when they go home? How do they live a new lifestyle? How do they get empowered um, so that they can take care of themselves in what you've described as really a customized care program for them? So that you've reviewed it with the doctor and you decide what programs they're gonna go into, and then you keep the patient engaged between doctor visits and report that information and results and outcomes to the doctor so the doctor can take better care of the patient. Exactly, exactly. Right. Good, well, I got it and I hope our audience got it. And again, we're talking with Levi Chris and Eric Chiambaqueza from levelhcs.com. I encourage you get in touch with them, especially if you have a chronic disease or chronic disorder, if you're on Medicare, uh, this, these services are basically for free. If you have Medicare coverage or supplemental coverage, there may be a copay to some of Level HCS's services, but it's really worth uh, looking into and getting your doctor. Tell your doctor, I want my level healthcare. Um, and you know, have them go to levelhcs.com and get signed up with these guys and um, you, you'll be in better health. Eric and Levi, thanks so much for being with us today. Um, really appreciate it. And uh, that the work you're doing, and especially in underserved communities, which is so important, that's such a, um, a focus on healthcare going forward is getting healthcare in the hands of more people. So that as you said, uh, Eric, we're not being reactive, but we're being proactive and eventually preventative. Thanks very Thank much, you. guys, for being on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for having us. Good. And so to my audience, it's great being with you again. You can join us um, online and you can watch us at gotohealthmedia.com. We have all our videos there. You can listen to us on seven podcast networks. You can also listen to us on Voice America Radio. And if you'd like to get a schedule for future and upcoming shows or, or to catch up on previous shows, and we've got a lot of good ones, you just go to gotohealthmedia.com and click get updates. And um, you'll, you can uh, sign in a form, tell us a little bit about who you are, and then you can get emails from us. So until next week, this is Jonathan Marks with Go to Health Media. And remember everybody, go to health. Thanks again, Levi and Eric. Good to be with you. We'll see you again next week, everybody. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week to Go to Health Radio. 
Be sure to join Jonathan Marks and another health expert next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You can also catch the program on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next show, be sure to visit us on the web at go to healthmedia.com and elevate your life.